Hello, everybody, and welcome back to the Yours Truly podcast. I am your host, Claire Tuning. Truly glad that you're here for episode 175 of the show with our very special guest, Jess Fry. Yes, Fry, like the French Fry. I think Jess has the coolest last name, and I am so glad to see her play on words in her Instagram handle, Fry Away With Me. All of her info will be linked in the bottom of today's show notes and more to come on Jess and our conversation here in a minute. But how are we doing? It is December. Now I do monthly episodes of the podcast, so every time I come in to record an intro, I feel like we have a couple of weeks to catch up on, but I hope your December and holiday season are off to a really nice start. I thought is a little something different for the intro of today's episode, I could give you a random list of recommendations. Now this is a short list, let's see, four or five items here that I have compiled over the past few weeks of things that I've really just loved and I haven't had anyone to tell all of these things to, so I figured I would blurt these out into the airwaves and maybe you too will like some of these. Some of these are food related, some of them are not, but here we go. So the first one are two book recommendations. These have absolutely nothing to do with nutrition or intuitive eating, but I'm really on a fiction book kick. My goal this year, I think I actually talk about this as one of the first episodes of 2022, but my goal was to read at least 30 fiction books, and I believe I'll have to double check my list, but I think I'm at 28 or 29, so we might actually get there, which is exciting. But two of the ones that I have read recently are two of my favorites probably of the whole year. The first one was called Lessons in Chemistry by Bonnie Garmus. This one made me laugh out loud, which it's kind of hard to come by in a book, so I would definitely recommend Lessons in Chemistry. I posted that one on my Instagram story as I was reading it last month, and a couple of people responded to let me know that Barnes & Noble had chosen that as their book of the year, so it's not just me that thinks it's good. But the second one is Every Summer After by Carly Fortune. Yeah, that's how you would say that. Um, really good romance novel. I'm a sucker for a romance novel. It's a little spicy in some of the scenes, so be prepared for that, but I really enjoyed that one as well. My only regret is that I would have read that in the summer since it details the summers of two teenagers growing up and into their adulthood. So if you're looking for a sappy romance novel to get you into the new year, would recommend Every Summer After. Next recommendation on this list is the Peppermint Mocha almond milk creamer from Khalifa Farms. This is not sponsored. No episodes of this podcast are sponsored, but I tried this and it is super good. It tastes really similar to what an actual peppermint mocha would taste like from Starbucks or probably from another coffee shop, but love putting it in coffee. 10 out of 10 would recommend. Second food-related recommendation is a buffalo chicken salad for an easy lunch dinner idea. Now, I posted about a month ago at this point a easy dinner idea recipe on TikTok that went 
decently viral, at least for my page. And I've had people asking me for more ideas, more simple recipes for lunch and dinner. And I'm hoping to film a video on this buffalo chicken salad probably later today after I record this intro. But really simple, I recommend getting some sort of chicken that you can pop in the air fryer that is frozen. I just get from Kroger or I buy a store brand of just frozen breaded chicken. I pop some of that in the air fryer and then I toss it in a combination of buffalo sauce and a little bit of ranch to cut the spiciness. Then I put it on top of a bed of greens like you would any salad and I use any other random toppings that sound good. I use some rice the other day. I've put cheddar cheese on this before. Sometimes I put some crushed up tortilla chips for a little bit of crunch, but I love this because it is little to no cooking. Just an air fryer and throw in some leaves into a bowl and then you toss it together. I love putting some lime on top and a little bit more ranch. One of the best salads that I've created in a long time. Final two recommendations. Now, this one is just something that I've heard. I haven't watched yet myself, but I've heard that the newest season of White Lotus is really good. It's on HBO. I think this is the second season. I didn't love the first season all that much. Not gonna lie. It was a little weird in my opinion, just not my typical preferred type of show, but a lot of people have told me, and I trust these sources, that the second season is different and it's better. So we'll see. Maybe you'll catch me over the weekend watching White Lotus season two. But the final thing on my list of recommendations, and yes, this is a shameless plug <laughs> that I am about to make. If you are looking for some low cost, low budget stocking stuffers or unique gift ideas for the non-dieter and also the non-drinker in your life, I have two recommendations for you. The first are some Yours Truly stickers. These are original designs. I've had these stickers for years now and I still have them in stock. One of the stickers says, food is my love language and it has a peanut butter and jelly like a cartoon version of that the other sticker says guilt is not a food group and then I have a plain yours truly one as well you can order just the single stickers if you have one saying that you like more than the other or you can order a multi-pack of all three these are great stocking stuffers put them on your water bottle put them on your laptop hang them up at your desk at work if you want to shut down any diet talk from coworkers before it even begins. They're going to see that food is your love language and guilt is not a food group. So maybe that will deter them slightly from talking negatively about their holiday food choices. I don't know. We'll see. Some people aren't stopped by much, but the stickers are really fun. Um, you can find them on my website, clairetuning.com. And under shop, you'll see a line item for those stickers. The second option, again, low budget gift idea, especially if you have someone in your life, yourself, someone else who doesn't drink or they're looking to cut down on their alcohol intake in the new year. Maybe they even just want fun drink ideas that are family friendly and they can make with kids. I have two mocktail ebooks. The first one I released in the summer. So these 15 recipes are a bit more summer ingredient forward. Think watermelon, um, citrus fruits. What else is in there? 
I'm drawing a blank, but summary type drinks. Um, there are 15 of those in the mocktail ebook. And then most recently, I have released one that is fall slash holiday themed. So there are 10 fun drinks related to pumpkin, apple, cinnamon, those fall type ingredients. And then the final five in that ebook are all holiday themed mocktails. So think New Year's or Christmas drinks. I know this is a time of year where a lot of alcohol can be around. So if you're someone who's looking to reduce your alcohol intake, or if you don't drink at all, but you still want to partake in the cheersing and in the fun drinks, there are lots of great ideas in here for you or the person on your list that you don't know what to buy for them, but you want to get something unique and thoughtful. The eBooks are virtual and they're downloadable. So they will be sent straight to your email. You can then forward the email to the gift recipient, or if you'd like, you can print out the ebook and then have the physical copy of it there to gift them. The link to that is in the link on my Instagram bio. So that is not on my website. You'll have to go to my Instagram at Claire Tuning to find the link to the mocktail ebooks, or you can shoot me a message as well. I'll, you know, now that I'm thinking about it, I'll also put those in the show notes of today's episode to make that a little bit easier. But enough about my random list of recommendations with some shameless plugs, because today I am talking with Jess Fry, the woman with the awesome last name that I was talking about earlier. Jess is a licensed professional counselor in the state of Pennsylvania. She's a certified intuitive eating counselor and a body image coach as well. She became passionate about helping women heal their relationships with food and improve body image after doing the work herself. She spent almost two decades of her life chronically dieting in an attempt to shrink her own body. Since discovering confidence and acceptance in her plus-size body, Jess utilizes the very tools that helped her and empowers women to recognize their worth at every size so they can confidently approach life with unapologetic authenticity. So I absolutely loved this conversation with Jess when we recorded it a few months back, but I have been saving it specifically for this time of year since I know that the holiday season can be tough for a lot of reasons, but especially tough if you're someone who is struggling with food and or body image concerns. Throughout the conversation you're about to hear, Jess talks us through some signs that your relationship with food and body might need improvement, so some things to look out for. She also shares with us how to work through any fears of weight gain that might be present in your life and how to navigate old thought patterns and behavior patterns that might creep in from time to time as you're working to change your relationship with food and body. So without further ado, I really hope you enjoy this episode with Jess, and I'm wishing you a very happy holiday ahead. Hi, Jess. Welcome to the Your Julie podcast. Hello. How are you? I'm doing well. I know we've been chatting off camera. It's always like a funky little transition to be like, hi, how are you doing? When I asked you that question 10 minutes ago, but <laughs> I'm glad we're good. We're going to play a little this or that, if that's good with you. I'm so ready. City or country? Like countryside, I should say. Yeah, it's so odd that you ask that because my husband and I talk about this pretty frequently. Uh 
when we met, I was considered a quote unquote city girl, mm -hmm. not a big city, a small city. And he is very much a country boy, but uh -huh. he has turned me into a very introverted, quiet countryside, no neighbors, very little noise kind of person. So uh -huh. I'm going to have to go with country. Yeah, I would say the same. I live more in like a suburb situation now, very close to, to the beach. So we have neighbors and stuff. But if I had to pick the quiet, no neighbors, peaceful situation versus loud, something going on all the time, I would definitely pick the quiet for sure. Okay. <laughs> Better for podcast recording too. That nice too. <laughs> Good for biz. Uh, next one. Are you a pancake person or a waffle person? That's a really hard question. I feel like they taste similarly to me. Mm -hmm. But waffles feel fancier. And so if I'm going to go through the trouble of making them for myself, I'm going to kick it up as far as I can to a waffle. So they feel fancier. I think they taste better, Uh huh. even though they're very similar, but I'm, I have to go with waffle. I would have to agree that they do feel fancier. I like the logic that you just shared. If I can add to that, please do. My logic would be how messy do I want my plate to get? Do I want my syrup to roll everywhere or do I want the syrup to stay rather contained within the waffle divots? Mm -hmm. Yeah. Um, one thing about me, I don't like messes. I, I like things to be just, you know, in their place. And to me, the waffle provides that. I love that. That's, I can get behind that. Yeah. We tag, we tag team the reasoning, yes. but the TLDR version is waffles. Waffles. What about games? Would you rather play a board game or a card game? Why is that one is very hard. I thought you were going to say board game or video game. And I was no. like, oh, obvious board. Oh, I think I'm going to have to go board game. Mm -hmm. I don't think I have a reason for it. <laughs> Maybe. Maybe the complexity. So I'm very competitive. Uh -huh. um, and a card game, the card games I have familiarity with are a little too simple. Mm -hmm. I like complexity because if I'm going to get competitive, I want a challenge. Yeah. If, you, if you're going to win, you want there to be a little bit of a struggle, a little bit of a challenge. Exactly. Exactly. Yeah, get it. <laughs> I, I know earlier I asked you where you're located. You said Pennsylvania. Are you from Pennsylvania? I am. Okay. I promise there's a reason why I'm asking that question. I didn't know if you have ever spent any time in the Midwest. Have you ever heard of the card game Euchre? I have not. How do you it's, spell that? It's spelled very strangely. It's like E-U-R-C-H-R-E. Wow. I'm going to be really impressed if I actually spelled that correctly out loud. Spelling verbally is not my strong suit. Anyways, why I bring this up is because I was introduced to this card game by 
my boyfriend and a bunch of his friends who either lived or have family who live in the Midwest. Apparently it's a Midwestern card game, but once you get to know the rules, it's not super complex, but for me first learning it, it felt very complex. So if you're looking for a challenge with a card game, you can look up Euchre or just take a trip to Ohio. One of the two. (laughs) Thank you. I'm absolutely going to look that up. Yeah. I I don't know if I spelled it right. Maybe our listeners can fact check me or, you know, Google can help. Okay. Two more. Beach or mountains? Mm. I think it's a mood thing. Mm -hmm. I really enjoy hiking Mm -hmm. and the quietness of a mountain. I don't, I, well, I can tell you this. I don't enjoy public beaches. Mm because I don't love crowds, right? Uh Quiet countryside. Um, But my husband and I have this awesome little private beach that we've stumbled upon uh, Uh over quarantine and we go there frequently and there are no people, knock on wood, ever anytime we go. And it's amazing and it's so quiet and we love listening to the waves. So that would be top pick as long as there's no people there. Yeah. If it can, if it can be a private beach, right. Yeah. <laughs> Obviously. Private, beach, private mountaintop. I, mm-hmm. I won't ask specifics because I don't want to blow up your private beach spot, but I am curious, is it, um, oceanfront or are you talking more of like a beach on a lake situation or like a riverbank that feels very beachy? It's a bay in the Ooh, Maryland, A in bay. Mm-hmm. I can tell I'm, you Oh, tell me off screen. Yeah. <laughs> Sorry, listeners. Exclusive yeah, content. It's exclusive. When, when you say bay, so I um I live on the Chesapeake Bay here in Virginia. So bay life, I am familiar with it. I low-key think it's better than the oceanfront beaches because the like you don't have to fight the waves as much, but you still get sand and sun and salt water, all the above. The sound of the waves, but mm-hmm. overwhelming. Yep. Mm-hmm. Final question. Sweet potato fries or regular fries? Regular fries. I think that was the easiest question out of all of them for you. You did not hesitate for one moment. <laughs> I like save when it comes to potatoes, savory. I'll eat a sweet potato. I do love sweet potatoes, but when it comes to fries, definitely regular. I agree. If I had to pick one, I would definitely choose a regular fry too. Unless if you've had sweet potato fries, have you ever had it with like a marshmallow dip? Oh, no, I never, I've, I don't know when I, when I eat sweet potato fries, I'll just dip them in a ketchup or an aioli. I've never tried a sweet dip, but that makes sense. Oh, that's a game changer. Still doesn't take first place, but it's a game changer. Like a solid second or third place mm-hmm. option, maybe. Yes. Yeah. Well, apart from fry preferences and city or countryside preferences, pancake waffles, we know all of this about, you now. could you take a couple of minutes and share with our listeners if they're not already familiar with you and what it is that you do share who you are, what your day to day is, and if you want to take it a step further, how you found yourself in this field. Oh, wow. That's multi-step. It's a lot. I hit you with a lot. So Take it as you need. If I (laughs) sway. Uh So I'm Jess. I am a licensed therapist in the state of Pennsylvania and I work in private practice. I specialize in disordered eating, body image, anxiety, and ADHD. 
I am a certified intuitive eating counselor and a body image coach. Um, what was the second question? Oh gosh, I'm going to forget my oh. question. So who you are, oh, what it is that you do kind of on the daily, how would you describe your work? How would I describe my work? So I, in my therapy practice, work with individuals. Um, I really work with a lot of women. I think the things that I, the areas of my expertise are really uh, foundational in women's health. So like anxiety in women, ADHD in women, and then how those things often lead to body image issues and struggles with eating. Mm-hmm. Um, and there's so little information and research on women, unfortunately, in the field. So it is a specialty that isn't found very frequently. So I work with women primarily in person in my therapy practice and via telehealth in, in the state of Pennsylvania. Mm-hmm. And then through coaching, I work with women um, all over the world. So we break it up throughout the week. So I'm doing a little bit here and a little bit there, um, but it's a really nice mixture. Yeah. And when you're talking about your coaching practice, just to clarify for our audience, do you describe that as body image coaching? Like how would you describe your coaching? That's a great question. So it definitely started as uh, specifically intuitive eating. Uh, When I became certified, that's what Mm -hmm. I jumped into right away. And I recognized for myself that my passion really led, uh, really was deeper into the body image piece. And there are so many amazing and talented and skilled professionals in this space who do the intuitive eating stuff that I felt more inclined to go with body image. So I primarily do body image coaching, but intuitive eating and and all of that stuff still comes up and is part of the process. Yeah. I think that is, is so needed to have professionals that focus on both, but maybe have more of an emphasis in one area or the other. Whenever body image comes up in my sessions with my nutrition clients, I always say, you know, it makes sense why this is coming up because we can't really talk about food eating and the relationship to food without having some body stuff in there as well, because it's all connected. It's all tied together. Yeah. Yeah. So I think it's really important to have professionals who will address both things and say, let's talk about this side of it more, (laughs) this side of it more. So to whatever extent that you want to share the third part of my question, we've broken this down quite well, I feel, but the third part of my question is how did you find yourself in the therapy space and wanting to help individuals with body image? What was some of the origin story to get there? Great question. So I did not, I was not a person who grew up knowing what I wanted to do professionally. Uh, I actually went to school as a business major, which is always a fun fact um, and full circle. Cause now I own two businesses, but <laughs> not at all where it started um, through a lot of mentor work and self-reflection. I ended up uh, first I was an education major and then I be- landed into the counseling world. And funny enough, I don't think it's actually funny. That's a terrible word to use, but ironically, I didn't take any courses in my undergraduate or graduate studies on eating disorders or disordered eating or anything at all. It wasn't required in any of my programs. 
And so I had, I graduated with very little understanding or even awareness of that entire population. Mm-hmm. And in 2018, so I worked after graduating, I worked with mostly children, adolescents uh, in like community-based settings, in homes, things like that, and then shifted more toward working with adults. Mm-hmm. And in 2018, I was introduced to intuitive eating from a friend, never had heard of it and was really intrigued. So the more I read about it, studied it, just grasped and consumed content about it, the more I recognized how disordered my own behaviors and patterns were in the things that I thought I was doing for health, the things that I thought I was doing that were positive and that's when I started my own journey of healing. And then in 2020, when more time was on my hands, I really focused and jumped like headfirst into learning as much as I could from a clinical standpoint so that I could utilize those same skills, but on a clinical level with my therapy clients. Mm -hmm. Um, And then it's kind of just all aligned and it's become such a huge passion of mine that clearly that's all, that's what my whole work is um, around is body image and intuitive eating. From never having heard of intuitive eating to now, what is that? Four years? Yeah. Four four years later now, your whole business and like your whole passion Mm -hmm. revolving around that and the body image work that goes with it. Mm -hmm. And I find that everyone I interview for the podcast, because as you can imagine, I talk to a lot of like intuitive eating or body image professionals, therapists, people kind of in this vein and a really common theme in nearly everyone's origin story is when I heard about intuitive eating or when I learned about this different approach, it helped me to identify personally some of the issues that I had in my relationship with food or body that I was passing off as, oh, that's fine. Or I'm doing this for my health. I know for me personally, and for a lot of other dietetic students, that's something that runs really rampant in the nutrition field. Oh, I'm doing this because it's healthy or because I should. And I'm, I'm with you, even in nutrition schooling, eating disorders, at least when I went through school, they were mentioned in passing, mm-hmm. but it should really be multiple courses because such a high percentage of the population struggles. And yeah, I can just relate to when you said I never even heard about it, or I didn't know this existed, but it helps you personally. And now you can help clients with it. It's a, a cool origin story in that way. Absolutely. I love that. And it's so true. It's, it's sad. It's like a disservice that, you know, the professionals that we're supposed to look toward for guidance and for help in this area are, you know, no fault to their own, Mm -hmm. not as educated in these areas as they should be. And I really hope that that changes over time. Yeah. One thing that you said in sharing some of your origin story, actually, I was kind of just talking about that, how when you learned of this new and different approach, intuitive eating, you started to identify some things in your own relationship with food that you felt needed work. Something you talk a lot about in your social media feed, or at least I've seen one post. So I can't say a lot, but I've at least seen one post of you talking about some of the signs and symptoms that might 
be alerting someone that their relationship with body and or food might need addressing or might need some care. Can you share with our listeners what some of those signs might be from your perspective as a therapist and a coach? What are we looking out for that might need to give us pause so we can get curious about those things more? Yeah, that's such a great question. So I think there are a plethora uh, and I don't want to list all of them because I can't think of them off the top of my head anyway, but uh, so different for each person, but the really, really common ones that come up a lot include body checking. So, um, you know, looking in the mirror a lot or grabbing parts of your body and comparing it to either the bodies of other people or um, where your body was at a different point in your life, things like that. Um, also just really overthinking and overanalyzing food, um, restricting food and feeling a, a, a huge sense of anxiety and overwhelm when it comes to cooking, eating, eating out, um, things like that. Um, let's think of some others being uh, obsessed with or um, distracted by like working out too much or choosing um, a workout program over hanging out with friends, doing something with people because of this fear of how you look or how you'll be perceived or eating in front of people, things like that. So coming to the top of my head, I've probably, I've missed a lot of common ones, but yeah, well, those are some important, really big ones to address. And something that I think is really tricky. And I would love your take on this as well, is that so many of those behaviors at the root, like mm -hmm. movement, for example, or wanting to make a certain food that makes you feel good, <laughs> wanting to eat foods that have a lot of colors, for example. So many of these things in passing might be like, oh, that's a, a good thing to do, or that's healthy, or maybe even we start out engaging in these behaviors because there is a genuine desire of, I'm interested in health, or I want to pursue this thing. But I think what can be missed sometimes is when we hit the threshold of that being health promoting and uplifting, and then that crossing over into this is becoming a problem because it's taking away from my social life or my mental health. Do you see that a lot? Like kind of that fine line when a thing with good intentions becomes not so helpful anymore? Absolutely. And I think that's why it's so overlooked and why it took me 18 years, even with a master's degree in counseling, to even see those behaviors in myself because they're so normalized in our society. Mm -hmm. And, you know, we receive so many messages that those things are quote unquote healthy. Um, but when we're bombarded with those messages and we're placing these extreme expectations on ourselves, and we become obsessive or it starts to interfere with our day-to-day, -day, mm -hmm. that's when it certainly plays a huge role and becomes really disordered. The words that come to mind for me, um, inflexible, like when we cannot be flexible with these things. And you, you literally just said it was another word that started with an I-N, in something. You, oh, listen, 
I was like, oh my gosh, I have this brilliant thought. It's going to be two words that start with N. <laughs> I'll come back to it. Maybe our listeners can yeah. remember, but they it's just like, heard it. <laughs> yeah, they heard it. So, you know, whatever that word was and tack on inflexibility to that. I think those are two red flag indicators of this thing might be crossing that threshold from it was great at one point, And now I've taken it to an extent that it's taking away from other areas of my life. One thing that I would love to talk about with you is um, the game of what ifs. Now, I'm not going to say too much because I want to get your take on this, but I'm sure you, you work with clients, whether it's your therapy clients or your coaching clients who maybe come to you and say, this sounds really great. This meaning the non-diet approach or having a better relationship with food. This sounds really great, but what if this and what if that and what if this happens? Do you hear that? Like you're nodding your head or what ifs pretty present in your practices? Yes. And I would say that the, the words that come after what if most often are what if I gain weight? Mm-hmm. And I, I definitely work with clients pretty extensively and for long periods of time on how we unpack that, what that means for that person uh, specifically, and what are the other things that you can gain from healing these relationships with your, with your body and with food that outweighs, pun intended, mm-hmm. um, that fear of weight gain, but also really just learning why that fear exists in the first place and that that's a normal fear because of the society we live in and unpacking fat phobia and really leaning into self-love and self-acceptance that we can accept ourselves at any size, no matter what. Yeah. With that idea right there of the unpacking and getting to this idea of self-acceptance, I'm guessing that some listeners out there or maybe hearing you say that and they feel like that is so far off mm-hmm. from where they are like where they are right now maybe they're new to this maybe they've been doing this for years and they still feel far off from that and that's okay what is like maybe a starting point that feels less out there less oh my god I'm never getting there yeah more attainable that's the word so if they're maybe wanting to start with some of the fears around the what ifs or normalizing those fears or looking at something that might feel more attainable where might they begin does that make sense yeah absolutely Um, okay I think I hear a lot of people talk about body neutrality Mm -hmm. and I think there's definitely a space and a time for body neutrality Um, but the direction I guide my clients toward is just overall self-love and meeting yourself with compassion. So if we think about where these messages came from in the first place, it's, it feels like it's a place of self-love. Like what I was explaining before, when I was involved in some of these behaviors, I really felt like I was taking care of myself. I really felt like I was being healthy those are the messages we receive from a place of marketing and, you know, diet culture and society. It's, it's twisted for us to believe that what we're doing is healthy, but it's really, really damaging. And so when you think about um, programs and restrictive diets and things of that nature, there is such a 
self-hatred belief system that comes with it and a way that we meet ourselves with these extreme expectations and judgment and criticism and just overall like being mean we're, we're really mean to ourselves and if we can shift that to meeting ourselves with compassion and grace and just acceptance or love or it doesn't have to be full on long term I love everything about myself that doesn't have to start to be the goal but just some love like just a little bit and the way that you would talk to a younger version of yourself a way that you would talk to a loved one, a way that you would talk to a friend um, or a child is the way that I have people start to shift that they meet themselves with that same amount of love. And that in and of itself can just cause waves of change for these other things to become more attainable. Yeah. One question I was going to ask as you're talking about meeting yourself with more compassion, with more love, more grace I was going to ask, like, how does that look day to day? I feel like through some of the examples you're offering, it kind of makes me believe it is language focused in a way. How are you talking to yourself? So is it most and only language? Is it action oriented? Like paint us a picture if you could of what that could look like a little bit more. Yeah. Oh, I got, I could give so many examples. (laughs) Lay them out. I get so excited about this part. So so at its core, I think it's really listening to what your needs are and then not only hearing those needs, but then implementing something to meet those needs. So if um, one of my favorite examples that I give to people, um, give to my clients is, you know, even though I'm at this place in my life where I've healed these relationships with food and body and now i actively teach other people how to get there I still have body image days that are really tough and through a lot of that work that I've done for myself I recognize that my biggest trigger when it comes to that is when I'm meeting someone new for the first time so those intrusive old habit negative thoughts come into play and they're really mean and I know why they come up because for so many years 18 years of my life personally I relied on my appearance to be what people um, valid, um, what people valued of who I am. And if I looked a certain way, I felt accepted and liked. And so those really mean negative thoughts will come up in those circumstances. And to meet myself with kindness, I have to pause and I have to remember what my values are. And for 18 years, my value was my appearance. And that's not what my value is anymore. My values include honesty, integrity, love, helping people to feel heard and valued, intelligence, humor, those kinds of things. And so I reframe. I don't have to place my appearance at the top of this list right now. And I know that my brain wants me to do that because that's an old habit. Instead, I'm going to meet myself with kindness and I'm going to reframe for myself that the purpose of meeting these people is to enjoy their company. And what I want them to walk away with is a feeling of gratitude for being um, in my company or for, you know, walking away with joy because we laughed a lot together. And those are the real things that I value now. And it's just a kind way to reframe for yourself what 
the actual intention is mm -hmm. rather than beating yourself up and then spiraling into this negative pattern. Yeah. I hope I answered the question. You did. And I'm, I'm grateful to have the example of the reframe in real time there through your own experience. And you did a couple of important things there. I know these were intentional, <laughs> but I want to frame them back so, so the, the audience can really hear what you did. So you acknowledged what was going on first and foremost, like, oh, hello, thoughts. Welcome. <laughs> You're here. You again. <laughs> you again. And then it sounds like, correct me if I'm wrong, but it sounds like instead of meeting those thoughts with what I would call like the rug sweep of like, ah, I shouldn't be thinking this way or, oh my gosh, this again, I'm doing such a bad job. I'm supposed to be thinking positively, right? It was not a rug sweep. It was like, makes sense why these thoughts are here. I've been trained to think this way. And then it was the opportunity to meet yourself with kindness through the reframe and bringing your values in. I'm a big fan of like a step-by-step, -step. like I'm not a sports person, but a play-by-play, -play, if you will. Um, did, did I get that right? That was beautiful. The process there? Beautiful then. <laughs> Wanted yeah. to give our listeners like the, the summation so they can take and try at some point. You talked about something in the example that you offered. And this is something that I had here on my list that I wanted to get your take on, because again, it's something you talk about on social media, but it's this idea that even if you have been working on this stuff for however long, there are still going to be moments when old habits or old thought patterns creep in. And it doesn't mean you're doing a bad job, but what does it mean? Like, why do those things come back in? it means that you're human. Um, I think so often we are, again, bombarded with these messages that there are these quick fixes that exist in the world. And if you just do it this way, or you just follow this plan, you're going to reach this unicorn land of like perfection, and you're never going to struggle with anything ever again. And something that I like to do in my content and in the messages that I provide to people is show them what there is to look forward to being on this side of things while also being as intentional as I can that I'm still a human and I still struggle and I still have days that are, that are really tough, but I'm now so much more equipped to handle those days where before when they happened, first they happened frequently, if not every day. Um, they happen so infrequently now. And when they do, I have those skills to stop myself, to do the play-by-play, -play, to meet myself with kindness and to really work through what it is that I need in that moment so that I can move on and not let it impact or negatively affect the rest of the day. Mm -hmm. I mean, talk about a reframe. It's almost like reframing the goal of this work, if you will, like the goal is to not, I'm never going to have another negative thought about my body again. Right. That, I mean, it would be nice. That, that would be nice. If you for that, you would be a billionaire. <laughs> it would be nice if yeah. that could happen. I think it's not realistic to think that way that I'm never going to have a negative thought about food again, or I'm never going to have another negative thought about my body. But the reframe you're offering is that with time and with the tools, 
I can be equipped so that when these things do come up, probably more infrequently as time goes on, you can handle them in a way that feels better, less spirally, if you will, in a way that you know what your needs are and you can meet them. It's so much more manageable. Yeah, that's a good word, manageable. I know there is so much on this topic of body image, body acceptance, body neutrality, whatever we want to call it. And there's no way that we can get to all of it in one conversation. But before we wrap and tell people where to find you and what you're up to, is there anything else that you want to add or you feel is important to share with listeners to kind of wrap up our conversation? Oh, good question. Um, so another key piece that I talk about a lot is body forgiveness. Mm-hmm. And I, I like to describe or define that for people because even my own husband, <laughs> I was just talking to him recently about it and he got the definition wrong. And I was like, Ooh, I need to do a better job. <laughs> Dear husband, try again. Dear husband. <laughs> so when people hear body forgiveness, they often think that what I'm talking about is forgiving your body. And what I do is I reframe that for people and say, no, 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 your body hasn't done anything wrong. Mm. Instead, what body forgiveness is, is making the space and allowing the time for your body to start trusting you again and to eventually forgive you for the way in which you treated your body when you were dieting or when you were trying to shrink her. And it's all encompassed with this self-love and self-acceptance piece because that can't happen if we're not kind to ourselves and if we're not kind in return to our bodies and practice gratitude for what our bodies do for us on a day-to-day basis and what I help people do is really get to a point where they can become friends with their bodies rather than enemies because that's what dieting is that's what you know, valuing our appearance has become is just this being at war with your body and constantly finding flaws. Um, but we work toward like harmony and becoming friends with and trusting each other again so that you can take on whatever comes at you each day as like a unified team. I didn't expect so many sports analogies, play by play. I know, I'm glad you <laughs> You're hoping I would pick that up. Um, Thank you for like pausing and defining what you mean when you say body forgiveness, because I have never heard that phrase before, or at least I've never heard it described in that way. And I sitting here on the other side of the mic would have assumed that it's like, forgive your body for what it has done. But when immediately you were like, your body hasn't done anything wrong. I was like, oh yeah. (laughs) Right. We, we think that it has. And we have judgments there, but when you offer the perspective of it's giving time and space for your body to trust you again, for you to meet your needs in a way that is Mm non-restrictive, it was like, I was taking a deep breath. I was like, ah, that feels better. (laughs) That feels like a better definition. Yeah. Helpful feedback. Thanks for saying that. Yeah. Well, it's been really lovely 
to connect with you in all of your maroon glory. Uh, our listeners can't see Jess, but she is wearing this lovely maroon that matches something on the wall. It's giving happy, peaceful energy that goes with this episode, but it's been great to get to know you more. I'm wondering if you can share where our listeners can find you, any stuff you have going on, they might be interested, just plug all the things. Yes. So my website is currently under construction. It has taken a lower end of the totem pole. So I'm not going to plug where that is yet, but anything that I'm doing currently, whenever this comes out, um, you can find on either Instagram or TikTok. I have the same handle for both. It's fry away with me. And that has like my link tree. So it has all the opportunities uh, in there of how to work with me, resources that I offer and things like that. That's the great thing about social media. I call it the living, breathing business card. Cause if you can find one spot and then click the link, you see all the things yes. I also have to tell you before we wrap and I have to get this on air, the play on words <laughs> in your handle. Love it. Love to see it. <laughs> I also, I don't know if I've realized you're on TikTok. I am going to have to befriend you on TikTok. I, I know where to find you on Instagram. I've been finding you there, but I'm going to have to go check you out on TikTok too. Are you on there too? Oh yeah. We'll, we'll connect. We'll connect with each yeah. other. I'm a big TikTok fan. Don't li- don't listen Instagram reels, but TikTok is better in my opinion. <laughs> Agreed. Agreed. Um, all right, listeners. Well, I think, I think, I think that is all we have for you today. So Jess and I are going to sign off by saying you're Shuli, Claire and Jess. And that's a wrap for episode 175 here on the Yours Truly podcast. Thanks again for joining me and Jess today. All of Jess's information, her content, how to work with her is listed in today's show notes, as well as the links to the mocktail ebook and the stickers that I mentioned earlier in the episode as part of my recommendations list if you're searching for any last minute gift ideas. But as always, if you enjoyed today's episode or anything else that you've heard here on the podcast, podcast, I would be so grateful if you could share this in some way, shape, or form. You can tap five stars, you can leave a rating or a review, or you could even take a screenshot of wherever you're listening and share it on your social media story or text or email it out to a friend or a family member who might find this message helpful. But as always, thank you for spending your time here with me on the Yours Truly podcast. This is the last episode of 2022. So I'm grateful you stuck around for this year or maybe even years prior, depending on how long you've been here, but I am excited to continue this in 2023. I'll see you back here soon and have a wonderful rest of the holiday season. Bye.